Good morning, everyone. It is so, so good to be here. Or in Irish, I should say, Geoditch, which means hello. If you look at the, the literal translation of the word Geoditch, it means God to you, which is really cool. And in, in the Irish culture, if someone says Geoditch to you, you have to say Gia is Meriditch, which means God and Mary back to you. There is something about the Irish welcome that invites God to work and move. And I hope this morning as I come and as you've welcomed me so well, I come and say Geoditch to you, that I wouldn't just come and bring my own words, my own thoughts, but invite the Spirit of God to work and move and speak to you this morning. It's been an absolute joy and privilege to be part of the, the Elam family. Um, Charlotte and I go to Elam back home. Just before I came out here, I was ordained an Elam pastor, and we had the joy and privilege of coming and spending some time so far up with Mike and Amy DeVitter up in Fanganay, as, as Mike said there. And we've had the privilege and the pleasure of going around all the different campuses and being able to see what God's doing and speak into the different churches as well. And I suppose one of the joys of traveling is you get to go around and meet so many different people, so many different communities, so many different cultures, and you get to learn so much. And I'm one of these, these people who loves meeting new people. When the people back home ring me up, we have 12-hour time difference. I don't know where many of you are internationals here this morning as well. You have time differences at home. So when we make that 12-hour phone call, they'll say to me, what's New Zealand like? And I'll always say, that the place is great. The scenery, unbelievable, but the people are better. And the people are so, so good. And I love getting around, getting to meet so many people. So good to be here this morning, to get to know you guys as well. It's my highlight so far has been the people, but I have to be really honest. Although my heart loves to meet people, my head hates it. There's something that happens the moment I say to you, what is your name? The moment you open your mouth, my brain just signs out, shuts down, and there's, there seems to be a very large gap. You could be standing a meter, two meters away from me, but the gap seems enormous because in the moment you say your name, it just seems to disappear in thin air. I, I forget it. Before it's even out of your mouth, there's no point. It's just gone. I'm one of these people, and it eats me up inside. Because just for brief moments of the conversation, the rest of the time, I'll be trying to figure out what did they say their name was. And you'll know what's happened to me. Because all of a sudden, you become my best buddy. I'll be like, oh, that's right, buddy. No bother, pal. Yes, mate. You're my friend. Like, I'll use every other descriptive word than your name. You'll know that moment has happened where I've forgotten your name. You become nameless to me when you become my best buddy my best friend all of a sudden. And this happens to me, especially a lot back home. Um, we live in a small community in Ireland, very rural, and everyone knows everyone. And sometimes when you're in a position like this, a lot of people will, will know you, they'll, they'll know your name, and you don't have the same opportunity to know theirs. So we'll be out just in town or doing a bit of shopping, and someone will come up to me, and they'll be talking away, and I'll be speaking back and forth as if they were my best friend. I'll be asking them, how's the kids? How's work going? Are you still struggling with this? And, and after about 10 minutes, when the conversation ends and they walk one direction and I go another, Charlotte will go, who are they? Why didn't you introduce me to them? And I said, the reason I didn't introduce you to them is because I don't have a clue who they are. <laughs> but 
but you were acting as if they were your best friend. I said, yep. I have an entire friendship circle of people I don't know their names of. And this morning, I want to introduce you to some of my buddies in the Bible. Some people, I don't know their names, and that's okay, because no one else knows them either. As we start this unnamed sermon series, we're going to be looking at ordinary, everyday lives who made an extraordinary difference for the kingdom of God. Just because we aren't sure of their identity doesn't mean they didn't have an influence among their neighbors and an impact in their nation for the kingdom of God. And we're going to look and we're going to see the lives that they lived and the legacy that they left for you and for me this morning. So if you have a Bible, why don't you turn with me to the book of Hebrews? I, I wanted to go to the book of Hebrews this morning because as I was thinking and as I was praying about this unnamed sermon series, I thought, there's probably no better book than the book of Hebrews. Why? Because it's the only book in the canon of Scripture, the 66 books in Old and New Testament, where we are not sure who the author is or who the audience is. The author is unnamed and the audience is unnamed. Don't get me wrong, the scholars suggest many things. We're pretty sure it was Paul, but we can't be 100%. It might have been Apollos, it might have been Barnabas writing, but we're just really not sure. The author in this book is unnamed, but so is the audience. It's called Hebrews because we... We can look at the content of it and the context, and we can work out that the author, whoever it is, is writing to Jewish Christians. We're not sure where they're from or where they live or, or where they follow Jesus, but, but we can guess they're Jewish Christians. We can do a really good job at that. In other words, this is the book of the unnamed, the unnamed author and the unnamed audience. But the truth is this. If you've been to church for any length of time, you might say, Gareth, I don't really know if Hebrews is a great book to go to for the unnamed series. Because if you flip over to the likes of Hebrews 11, and, and I welcome you to go there in your, your Bibles, you'll say, look, there's the heroes of faith. The named and known men and women of God who did amazing things for God. And if you've been at church long enough, you look down that list of Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, among others, you know their names. You know their stories. In fact, I would take a guess that if you walked out these doors and into the streets here of the city and went up to someone who wasn't a Christian, someone who wasn't even maybe raised in a Christian home, and you were to mention the names and the stories of people like Abraham or Noah or, or Joseph on his coat or Moses, they would say, yeah, I know them. They're known people. But there's something really interesting that happens towards the end of chapter 11 in Hebrews. And we pick up the story in Hebrews 11, verse 32. Something really interesting happens here. The author says, after listing these amazing men and women of God and all that they've done, they say in verse 32, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, but 
there were others. I don't have time to talk about all the amazing men and women of God that you know. Why? Because there were others. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute and persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what they had been promised, since God had planned together something better for us, so that only together with us would be made perfect. You know what's crazy? Chapter 11 is full of many heroes of faith, many people that we know and we love and we know their stories. But then there's a moment when the author pauses and says, look, I don't have time to talk about them because I want to tell you and teach you about these others. My, my title for this morning is, There Were Others. Would you turn to the person beside you and say in your best Irish accent, there were others. Come on, try that again. There were others. Not bad, not bad. Have you ever heard of the game, Would You Rather? There's a game, Would You Rather? And it came to my memory this week because as we were just driving along through the town and I was, had my thoughts together, I was just driving there, just making sure it's very hard to navigate all these lanes of traffic here in Auckland compared to Ireland, the, the windy and the twisty roads. But as I was just driving, Charlotte turns around and goes, Would you rather, would you rather lose your legs or lose your voice? What? Would you rather lose your legs or lose your voice? I said, what do you mean? Do you know the game, would you rather? Would you rather lose your legs or lose your voice? I was like, oh, I don't know. I was trying to work it over, and I finally give her an answer. I said, I think I'd rather lose my legs. I, I, I didn't. Both are hard questions. That's the point of the game, would you rather? It, it puts you in a position between a, a rock and a hard place, and it sort of shows your priorities in life. And I said that, and I said, Charlotte, what about you? She went, I don't know. I was like, you can't do that. That's not part of the game. The game is you have to give an answer no matter how honest it may feel or no matter how much it splits an opinion. And this morning I was wondering, could we play a game of would you rather? Just to, just to see where you lie and where your priorities are in life, okay? So the first one I have is this. Would you rather be able to speak all foreign languages or speak to animals? That's a good one, isn't it? This, this will tell whether you're a people person or an animal person. Whether you don't like people, you're like, you know what, I'm more than happy not to. Raise your hand if you would rather speak all foreign languages. Okay, cool. And now raise your hand if you'd rather speak to animals. Okay, they, they are the, they're the people that don't like people. You're good, it's good. We're glad you're here, we love you, okay? Okay, number two. Here's another one. Would you rather have noisy neighbors or nosy neighbors? That is a tricky one. Would you rather have noisy neighbors or nosy neighbors? Just while you think that through, we actually back home in Ireland thought we had the perfect neighbors. We, we were living beside this couple. We had a, like a, a detached house for, for about two years. We were living beside them and they would get up really early in the morning, go to work, work long hours, 
and that was great. And then they'd come home late at night, and they never bothered us. They were really lovely and quiet people, never were nosy, nothing like that, until COVID happened. Then we were in lockdown, and all of a sudden, we realized that they were noisy neighbors. Because on Sundays, the only day off they had, they would blast heavy metal music from morning to night. We had never realized because we were always in church on Sundays. We, we thought this, but when we were isolated and had to stay at home, we found out we had noisy neighbors. So if you're in the room and you would rather have noisy neighbors, put up your hand. And put up your hand if you'd rather have nosy neighbors. Okay, be careful what you wish for, okay? Be careful. Okay, let's do our final one, third one. Would you rather be a named or an unnamed Hebrews 11 hero of faith? I'll not get anyone to put up their hand because the truth is, if we're all being honest, we would all rather be those named heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, not the unnamed ones. We would rather be like David, who fought off the enemy. We'd rather be like Abraham, who walked by faith and inherited a nation. We'd want to be like Jacob and Joseph, wearing, like Joseph wearing the lovely coat rather than the sheepskins in Hebrews 11 were those who were unnamed. We don't want to be the people who were sawn in two. We don't want to be the people who were flogged and jeered at by their friends and family. We don't want to be the people who have to die for our faith. If we were being really honest, I know I would, would rather be a Hebrews 11 named hero of faith rather than an unnamed one. And you know what? If those unnamed men and women we see in Hebrews 11, 35 to 40, were here today, I would imagine that if we were to play a game of would you rather with these people, the room would be split in opinion a lot of the time. Because the choices they made don't often reflect the choices that the Christians make today. Or, or the modern church makes today. They made choices in their life that seem to be completely different, completely alien to the world we know it today. But the author of Hebrews says, there's something that you and I can learn from them. There's something, we could go all day and we've done it. We've had the conferences, we've had the messages where we've talked about the amazing named and known people of faith. We've had the message of David and Goliath. We've looked at Moses going through the Red Sea. We've looked at them. But I want to tell you about these people. I want to tell you about the others that don't get mentioned. Why? Because there's a lot we can learn from them. And this morning, and this morning I would love, if I could just look at maybe two or three things, two or three choices that they made that are completely countercultural, not only to the society we live in, but maybe even the church we attend at times. And if we come here with an open heart, not to condemn, not like when we're playing would you rather with our friends and family, we're like, ah, oh, you would pick that? And you start to question that we would actually sit back and go, okay, talk me through that decision. Why do you make that choice? What can I learn from this? When we look at their lives and the legacy they leave for us as believers, there's something we can learn. And the first thing we see is that when you look at their lives, they would rather give praise than get praise. Hebrews 11, verse 35, the end of that goes, there were others. And you know what struck me about this text was that as I was reading this, I started to get annoyed. I started to get angry on their behalf. Why? Because these amazing men and women of God have 
given so much. Many of them sacrificed their lives and their families for the faith. And yet, they didn't even get their names mentioned. I started to feel a wee bit angry. I started to feel a wee bit annoyed that the least you could do was write down their names. The least you could do was remember them for the acts that they did for God. And then it hit me. They weren't living their life to get praise from man, but to give praise to God. They weren't living for their own recognition and renown, but for God's. They weren't living for the applause of man. They were living from the approval of God. They didn't need people to know their name because God knew it. They didn't need others to approve of them because God already did. They were living their lives not to get praise from man, but to give praise to God. I, I'm a big football fan, and my favorite team is the best team in the world. It's Liverpool, okay? There we go. They have saved at the front, clearly here. It's fantastic. But, but my team, Liverpool, there's my favorite player, and it's probably one who is maybe under the radar a wee bit. Not, not too much, but he's not, the, he's not the standout star. He's a guy by the name of Alisson. He's our goalkeeper. And I love him because he's a Christian. He's from Brazil, and he has done an amazing thing for the kingdom of God through football. He's this guy who shares his faith publicly all the time. But he also led a fellow teammate for me new to faith. He baptized him as well. Like he, He's doing incredible things. But one thing that separates Alison from other footballers is that when they do something amazing, like score a goal, and you might think, Alison's a goalkeeper. He'll never score goals. He does score goals. That's what's so good about him. He is the goalkeeper who scores goals. But... What he will do when he does something amazing is he'll score a goal and people will start to sing his name and he does this thing where he'll just go, he starts pointing upwards. He starts pointing upwards. He'll pull up his t-shirt and underneath it'll say, Jesus is Lord. Other footballers, what they'll do when they score a goal, they'll run to the crowd and they'll, they'll show their own name. They'll take their t-shirt off and they'll be pointing at it while Alison, on the other hand, stands out like a sore thumb because he points to Jesus. And I'm not saying that we're to do this in our everyday life in one sense. Like, if you work here in a supermarket, if you work in Kmart or Countdown, or, and, and you're doing a job, you're stacking shelves, and someone comes across to you and says, can you help me find something? And you, you give them the direction, and they say, thank you, you're really good at your job. You're not to run and do a knee slide, and you're not to rip up your top and say, Jesus is Lord, and go, only him, only him. Like, it's... We're not called to do that, but there's something about that exaggerated example where many people are singing the name of these footballers, where one chooses to soak it up, to get the praise, while another one chooses to give praise. And we're to do the same in our lives. We're to seek to live lives that others will look at us and give glory to our Father in heaven, to give honor to Him. Where are the moments in your day, in your week, in your relationships, in your friendships, where you can point people to Jesus? where you can live your life in their moments of celebration and point people to Jesus. The second thing we see, though, is that we're not only to give praise to God in the moments of celebration, but also in suffering. And the second thing that sets these believers apart from many today is that they would rather their eternal life, they'd rather have their eternal life than have their earthly life. When you look at this passage, one thing is clear, that they prioritize their eternal life over their earthly life. Hebrews 11.35 goes on to say, There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, 
so that they might gain an even better resurrection. They valued their eternal life over their earthly life. And don't get me wrong, okay? We preach Jesus, and Jesus has come to give you an abundant life and eternal life. Abundant life here and our eternal life for all eternity. But that abundant life doesn't look like the good life. It looks like God's life for you. And for some people, that looks like suffering. And in the context that they were facing, and many Christians today face, they had the choice of living this life on earth without God or living in all eternity with God. And they made the choice. They would rather have their eternal life over their earthly life. And many people still make that decision today. Open Doors, the Christian charity that deals with persecution, reports that there is 312 million Christians who face intense persecution every year. That's one in seven Christians globally who are fighting just to have faith, fighting for their lives, who are choosing to value their eternity over their earthly life. And it's so important that we do so. So when Charlotte and I came here, let me give you an example of this. When Charlotte and I came here a few months ago, we've been based up on Fangaday, and we were looking for accommodation. The church was able to to connect us in with a local couple who had the cheapest house in the whole of Fangaday. And that ticked our box. That was lovely. It was like a one-bedroom slash kitchenette bathroom sort of setup. And it, it does our job. Very simple. And we know we're going home at Christmas. We don't know what we're doing after that, but we know it's six months' time. We were only here for six months. We're on a tourist visa with our UK passport that we would be going home. What's really funny is if we were to walk into that house, we were very careful about what we were buying and what we were supplying the house with because we only had a limited amount of money. We weren't going to kit out the entire house and we were very careful how we spent our money. In fact, there's a really funny story about this that one day when we were started off in the church in Fangaday, people were so, so generous and they were giving us gifts, you know? And one day this wee woman gave me a, a, a bag with a box in it and I looked inside and I was like a you know, toasty makers, you know, for making like toasted sandwiches. It was a toasty box. And I went, oh, thank you so much. And I, and I gave it to Charlotte. And Charlotte goes, oh, wow, that's great. I was actually in the shop yesterday, but because we didn't have that much money, I wasn't going to invest in a toasty machine. I wasn't going to spend the money. And that's amazing she bought us that. And I went, there you go. God heard your conversation. He, he knew your heart. He wanted to bless you. You should go and bless that wee woman with that. Let her know that, you know, she's also obviously in tune with God and that she's, she's doing that. So Charlotte went across and was just like, I just want to thank you so much for the toasting machine because I was in the shop yesterday. I couldn't really afford to get it. And oh, it's just amazing how God does that. And the wee woman goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't get you a toasting machine. It's just a toasting machine box. And in the box is jams and shortbread. And... <laughs> so we went home and we're like, you know, we've been blessed. That was just so nice of her to do that and think of us. That week we were at go, going around the different small groups and we were at her small group. And lo and behold, at the end of the night, doesn't she pull out another bag? And in it, there was a toasting machine. And she goes, I really felt God was saying I should. I was like, no, you didn't. We completely manipulated you. I am so, so sorry. All that to say is we, we weren't buying expensive things for the house, things we weren't going to use, okay? What would it look like in that wee one-bed kitchenette if we decided, okay, we're only here six months, but this place is too small. Let's build an extension. Let's use all the money we have to build an extension and, and rip out that kitchen. How long has that kitchen been there? In fact, the bathroom's getting a wee bit grotty. Maybe we could do the bathroom up and that bed's too small. Let's get a king-sized bed. You used to be looking going, guys, you're only here for six months. Why are you 
being so foolish. Let's go a step further. Last night we were staying in the Quest, the hotel, so we could come here this morning. What would it look like if we walked into the room and goes, I know we're only here for a night, but this room could really do with a lick of paint. Let, let's, get a, let's get a de decorator in. In fact, the bed, it was a wee bit squeaky. Let's buy a brand new bed for this hotel room. You know what? Let's, let's rearrange the furniture. It's a wee bit, bit business-like, not that comfy. And we do up the entire room, spend all our money doing up a hotel room we don't even own. You would go, you guys are idiots. You aren't wise. What are you doing? And we know all this, but the truth is, why do we do that as citizens of heaven? Why do we make our home on earth? When we're only here for a short period of time, we decide to make investments in this life that make no sense in light of eternity. But these men and women, they made investments with their life that made no sense to the people around them in terms of earth. In eternity, it made sense given their life for Jesus. But the people around them were thinking they were mad. They valued their eternal life over their earthly life. The third and final thing I want to look at this morning is that these people would rather have faith than fruit. If you go down through the passage, we see verses 39 to 40. It says, these were all commended for their faith. Yeah, they weren't commended for their fruit. They were commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. They were commended for their faith. They didn't even receive the rewards for their labor here on earth. God commended them for their faith. And in church today, and many Christians today, we can obsess over fruit in the absence of faith. We, and there's nothing wrong with fruit. Fruit's great. Fruit always follows the believer. Like it's, it's Faith without works is dead, we get that. But sometimes in the modern church and modern Christians, we, we, we want the fruit without faith. We want the numbers. We want the, the salvation. We want the revival. We want the crusades. We want the kingdom without the king. And in this moment, we see one final thing, that they would rather have faith over fruit. They were commended for their faith, not their fruit. God is more concerned about you being faithful than you being fruitful. When you stand before the Lord, he'll not say, well done, good and fruitful servant. He'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, these men and women, although we don't know their identities, they were heroes of faith, not heroes of fruit. They weren't so concerned about what God was doing through them than, rather than what God was doing in them. You see, they hadn't fallen in love with the work of the Lord, but rather the Lord of the work. And you and I, we face that tension today. We face that tension of whether we pursue faith or fruit. These people encouraged us, above all things, to pursue faith. And I suppose that brings us really to the point of this passage. We've looked at three helpful principles, things that we can live by that are, seem really countercultural to the world around us. We've seen that we want to be a people, and they were a people that wanted to give praise rather than get praise. They wanted to be a people that would rather have their eternal life than their earthly life, and they were a people that wanted to be a people of faith rather than just being known as a people of fruit. But it brings us really to the point of this passage. The point of this passage isn't three principles. The point of this passage is the person of Jesus. These people were heroes of faith. It wasn't all about what they did for God. 
but what God had done for them. They were heroes of faith. They put their faith in someone, something, and we read that was Jesus. Just the next few verses in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. Remember, there wouldn't have been chapters and verses in this letter. It goes on to say, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin so, that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The point of this passage, the example of these unnamed men and women, yes, it will encourage us to go and do great things for God, but that's not the point. It's not about what you can do for God. It's not about what they did for God. It's what God did for them. That they lived their lives in response to the grace they received that they lived their lives all out for Jesus because Jesus lived all out for them, that he gave his life on the cross. He died the death that you couldn't die, you couldn't pay, you couldn't do, so that we could be set free, that we could be forgiven, that we could have this friendship with the one true living God. They didn't do this so that they could be accepted by God. They did this because they were accepted by God. And this morning it would be wrong of me to look at this passage and to encourage you to go out here and do amazing great things for God without giving you an opportunity to put your trust in what God has already done for you. So this morning I'm just going to ask right across the room would you mind closing your eyes and bowing your head? I want to give an opportunity for anyone in this place. I know that in this room there is many Christians and this message, this example of these unnamed men and women of faith will encourage you to go and to step out and to live a life that seeks to give praise to God, that seeks to be a person of faith, that, that lives for eternity and not for this earth. But there may just be people in this room who hasn't accepted Jesus. That you're looking at this and saying, look, I would never do that. I, you look at the heroes of faith and you're like, I could never do that. I could never live that way. I could never give my life like that. And then you look at Jesus and his sacrifice for you and you say, you know what, I could never do that either. I could never have went to the cross. I could never have paid my own debt of sin and shame, realizing that it's only Jesus. And right now, if that's you and you're realizing in this moment that you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to, you want to accept what he's done for you, I want to give you an opportunity to pray, to receive him as Lord and Savior. So if that's you in this room, just quickly and quietly, would you just mind raising your hand? I'd love to pray with you help you in this journey, give you an opportunity to step into this relationship, to turn from your sin and to give your life for Christ. So if that's you just right now, wherever you are, would you just raise your hand quickly and quietly just as an outward sign of an inward desire to put your trust in Jesus. Okay, if that's you, I want to pray a prayer and just in the quietness of your own heart, give you an opportunity to start this conversation with God these aren't magic words. These aren't a formula. This is a conversation with the one true living God as he has invited you into this friendship of forgiveness and fulfillment. We need to respond and we do so in prayer. So if you're in that place and you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, would you just pray after me? Father in heaven, I thank you for sending Jesus who went to the cross 
and died for my sin. I want to turn from it and trust in you. Would you forgive me? Would you set me free? And would you fill me with your Holy Spirit as I seek to live for you now and forever? Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, Pastor Mike's going to get up in a wee second and explain just about connect cards and how you can interact with the guys. But right now, just before he does, I want to pray for the rest of us in the room. There's many believers in here, and that is fantastic. But I want to pray that that encouragement from the example of these unnamed men and women would inspire you to live life for the glory of God. So right now, Father, I just pray for each and every person in this room, for those who claim the name of Jesus. I pray this morning that you would start to strip back idols that we've placed in our life, ways of living that don't align with your word. And I pray, Father, that afresh you would make them a people of praise, a people of faith, a people who long for an eternity with Christ and live their lives here on earth, showing that to others. Father, would you fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit, help them to love and serve you with all that they have for the honor and the glory of your name we pray. Amen. Amen.